Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 60. Yes, I had to think that. I thought, oh, it is. It's a a, a ten-digit thing. Brilliant. Excellent. Great job on the numbers as ever. Yay for 60. (laughs) You didn't have to think either. I just tell you. Yeah, but it still takes me a while to think. What is the 60 anniversary? I I don't think it counts for... 60 weeks you say this every time but i think it is it's a commitment it's a marriage that we started nick <laughs> i'm okay i'm gonna find out 60 episodes oh imagine we've done 60 of these we have no one's killed us yet well this is this is very true it's not for want of trying are you actually looking it up well yes it is 60 so i i want my diamonds oh it's diamonds so where are my diamonds Sinead? diamonds are forever i can do you some glass pasties that's about it <laughs> oh you trip me so good i do glass <laughs> is in gems not just made of cut glass that you put on your nipples that would be horrible <laughs> just a, challenging a smashed glass there you go, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's glinting in the light good god woman go to a hospital it's, it's shiny <laughs> i like shiny things oh how are you nick i'm all right can't complain yeah, bumbling complain. along it's a nice week it's all right you're still in a good mood yeah. oh, well i appear to be so i'm sorry i shall be more sullen no 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 i mean i mean vote <laughs> dear listeners if you if you want to no no but we've been saying on patreon and everything that you've been in a good mood it's a good week it's feeling positive the oh. sun is shining we can go to pubs we can skip and frolic exactly yeah. we're over halfway through the week so oh well, that's good well any poisonings this week uh, i don't believe so no it's another quite means that it's got to pick up sooner or later yes this this good mood can only last so long yeah exactly exactly uh, the application of liquor will help with that this is very true this is very true <laughs> i find it helps with everything well uh, speaking of the application of liquor and uh, people who like to put uh, broken glass on their nipples i think we should thank our patreon subscribers yes absolutely <laughs> you don't obviously you don't like to do that <laughs> well probably you never you never know D- don't you never know. don't and don't take photos and send them to us because we, we will get, get upset <laughs> i mean the man in the wide-brimmed hat is a mysterious fellow you don't know what he gets up to we don't, but we'd like to know more. Thank you to him and thank you to Emily Dybert Hart. 
Thank you, darling, darling, sexy, sexy listeners, gorgeous, lovely Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We had fun this week on Patreon. It uh, It we discussed all sorts of things. We discussed your idea of heaven. No, no, we discussed your idea of heaven. I think you you started that conversation. It wasn't my idea of heaven, as I explained. It's the Christians' idea, and we busted that case wide open with all sorts of theories. Again, the story we discussed. (laughs) We 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 went down an angle, like, oh wow, it's quite affecting. Mystery solved. (laughs) If you want to know what we're talking about you must come and join us on patreon for but five dollars a month come and find us on there. crazy figure yeah you can download loads of extra episodes and extra content for your listening pleasure well nick yes are you ready mm. to drink cocktails and talk about poison no i know what this week's cocktail is and i don't want to drink it so is this the week where we drink poison and talk about cocktails? Because this could possibly be the week actually done, that we end up doing both. <laughs> well, 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 it is my story this week. Hooray, hooray, hooray. But as we've established, we can't, we can't, we can't possibly tell a story without a cocktail in hand. Every week, as you know, we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell that will flavour our cocktail of the week. My story's in my pick. Mm, it was, wasn't it? It was. And this week's secret ingredient is... Mustard. Your classic cocktail ingredient. Mustard. There's very few cocktails without mustard. Yes, exactly. It's hard to get one without a mustard in it. Any variety, English, Dijon, whole 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 meal, whole grain, whole meal, whole meal mustard, whole meal, whole meal mustard. (laughs) That well, that's an acquired taste, you know. If you're not having a whole meal mustard cocktail, have you even lived? Yes. So mustard. I know it's a curveball, but it is a goddamn ingredient. This is true. It is an ingredient. It can't deny that as i said not your traditional beverage ingredient no obviously i'm i'm encouraged that you seem to have found something but well I'm we slightly found something worried by your reaction to it i am also slightly worried <laughs> okay so with mustard <laughs> as our ingredient of the week what have you come up with Nick? well so as I said, there, there are actually not that many mustard based cocktails i am shocked and appalled but there are a few if you go into the deep, dark, what? terrifying places on the interweb, you will find them. <laughs> and that is what I had to do this week. I saw oh God. <laughs> oh, terrifying, terrifying sights that spoke about mustard cocktails. <laughs> but I came back with a recipe. Oh and God. I spent hours slaving over a hot stove last night to prepare... Oh, is this one of Nick's experiment cocktails? This, this is a very much an experimental cocktail. required a lot of prep. So yeah, so this week we are going to have... I must say, an excellently named a Colonel Mustard in the library with a dagger. <laughs> Colonel Mustard in the library with a dagger. A dagger, specifically. With a dagger, specifically. a candlestick. None of so that I'm, here. I'm hoping your story may feature... Uh, mustard library or a dagger preferably all three i'll try and work it in it's fine uh, coincidentally <laughs> uh, darling carla valentine on twitter today did message saying is it got anything to do with colonel mustard from Cluedo? <laughs> um and what how would little did i know well yes so that is what we're having <laughs> brilliantly named brilliantly named so yeah obviously we'll go through <laughs> the construction of this potentially <laughs> lovely beverage this potential monstrosity nick has his head in his hands i am guys. actually legitimately afraid of this one <laughs> you are literally stalling for time i really am because <laughs> i don't want oh, it oh god <laughs> well i don't know what's in it because nick has very kindly delivered me a bottle of secret ingredients that is awaiting covered downstairs so i think without further ado it's time <laughs> for us to go into our isolation kitchens can we actually make further ado please 
just to stretch this out. So a bit you longer. want further ado? Yes, I mean, I That's just, I, I just want a lot more ado, to be honest. <laughs> There's a doings transpiring. <laughs> exactly. No, Nick, the time has come. I really want a drink this week. <laughs> Haven't had one in a while. I'm, I'm pinning my hopes weirdly on this, but let's go. Come on, Nick. Go we'll on. hold hands virtually, steal ourselves <laughs> up. Let's go to our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, yeah. Colonel Mustard in the dining room with a dagger. In the library, I think. Oh, in the library. Oh, in the library. Well, what would the dagger be doing in the library? Don't know. Stabbing people. <laughs> that is what daggers do. It is. So, hmm. Okay. This cocktail is the most yellow thing I've ever seen. It is terrifyingly yellow. I don't know how to describe this. This is so yellow. It's. It could be custard, but not. <laughs> like someone has just put melted cheese in a glass and it's kind of got a foamy top. There's the foamy top is, is <laughs> what I'm finding quite disturbing as well. Oh, God. Oh God. So I'm thinking there's mustard in this. It did call for a pickle garnish. Oh, did? Oh, really? Now, I don't have any pickles. Oh, I love a pickle. What I did have is um, a honey and mustard sausage. So I put that <laughs> in the stick. A little cocktail sausage. Little co- well, it's a honey, a honey and mustard cocktail sausage, not on a stick. So I thought that would be quite appropriate. That is genius. Genius. That's my treat for later. That's your treat for later if this goes down well. Okay, so guys, this is the Colonel Mustard in the library with a dagger. We've got no choice. We've got to dive in and do this. Let's, do let's it. see. It could be delicious. Could be delicious. Let's let's dive in. Let's give it a taste. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Okay. What just happened? Oh, Edibo. No, 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 oh, no. Oh, God. No. Uh. <laughs> um, mm, I'm, I'm angry and upset all at the same time. It's just the smell <laughs> hits you as you're drinking it. <laughs> <laughs> I had such hopes that it wouldn't taste of my... Oh, God. I'm, I'm, gonna go, I'm going in again. Yeah, I'm going a second again. sip, because that was an assault on the senses. Okay, hang on. You know what? It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, it's not awful. But it's not right, Nick. That ain't right. (laughs) Oh, I'm confused. It is a honey and mustard dressing in a glass. That's what it is with maybe some booze in it. Yeah. (sighs) It just smells of mustard. The the smell is off-putting. The smell is off-putting. Maybe just don't smell. Don't breathe in. You're having your sausage now. That's your treat for trying it. Okay, I'm going to take, while you're chewing your sausage. I've finished my sausage. Finish your sausage. Man always should. I'm going to try and guess what's in this. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh, God. (laughs) This is Mm. the weirdest thing. I think this is the weirdest one. Yes. It's the foamy top. Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, man. I can't stop laughing every time I drink it. I'm thinking, is it English mustard? Is there anything? I'm, I'm now trying to decide for the freaking mustard that's in there. It's not whole grain. I can guess that. <laughs> Neither that nor whole meal. No, no whole meal. No, the, the, the oft-coveted whole meal. No, it's... Got, uh, uh, so <laughs> I'm assuming there's a syrup in there because it tastes like honey. Like there's a honey in there. Maybe some citrus. God only knows what else is in there. There's nothing but mustard and some honey. Guys, if you are a fan of honey mustard dressing, if it's like your favourite dressing in the world, this is the cocktail for you because it's that in booze form. Nick, what's happening? Well, well. Well. It is quite the adventure in a glass, is it not? It's difficult to explain, really, what the hell's going on. I'm not entirely sure where to start. Did you just have a nervous breakdown in the kitchen? Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With a t- the thought of having to drink drink this. Okay, yes, yeah, so we have got a mustard syrup. In a, a, mustard a mustard syrup. syrup. And I will take you through the, Shut the, up. the process of making the said mustard syrup. Oh, oh please do. So this is why we required cooking last night. So we have a diced white onion. What?! So what? we have a lovely white a white onion. Then we have Dijon mustard. We have some caraway seeds. <laughs> we have some turmeric. Um, we have a bit of sherry vinegar, a bit of red wine vinegar. Right. Uh, we have some agave syrup, agave nectar. Okay, that's the sweetness. That's where you get a bit of sweetness though. Um, so you put that in a, in a saucepan with some water. Leave it simmering for about half an hour. And then strain it out. Strain the bits out so you're left with the the syrup. So basically, you're making you're making a watery pickle uh, sort of thing. So then you have your delightful mustard syrup. That just does sound like the the beginnings of a lovely sauce to put on some cheese on toast. Well, exactly. I mean, it is it yeah. is just it is a pickle. That's what okay, it is. Good. So so you have that. But then <laughs> then then we ruin it. <laughs> then you you take some lovely gin. Oh God. And some cochi americano, which is oh. a variety of white vermouth. Oh, okay. Some white wine. <laughs> uh, a white vermouth. Some lemon juice and some Cointreau. There's Cointreau in it. Mix that all up with your mustardy syrup and serve it on the rocks with a cocktail sausage. How much of the syrup is in there? There's one ounce of syrup in oh, there. That's a lot. So, yeah. That is a lot. <laughs> the mustard and the turmeric is where we get our excellent yellow colour from. Everything in there, it does have the makings of a delicious savoury sauce. Indeed. You know, to serve over some sausages. Almost like a fondue. And then we got gin and Cointreau in there. Someone, somewhere, uh, their marriage had broken up. It was a bad day. They'd just been fired. And they went into the kitchen and had... This was a 4am incident, wasn't it? This is very much something happened. I don't think I can drink the rest of it. I, I don't think I can either. It's it's a very interesting taste, but I feel like we will be sick if we drink all of that. I'm glad I've tried it. Yes. I'm glad I did it and I'm glad I've tried it. <laughs> This is what happens with goldeny, yellowy drinks, like the golden Cadillac. We were, we were overdue a terrible, <laughs> terrible drink. So we found one. Don't try this at home. It's just stupid. Make something much nicer. I did give you choices of the different secret ingredients and you went, oh, mustard, let's go for it. And I'm glad we did. If you are a honey mustard fan, as I've said, if you love your mustard. Even then, don't, don't <laughs> no, do it. No, this is for them. These are the people who have been sitting at home all the time going, I long for the days when there's mustard in my drink. They've been stirring mustard into their G&Ts for years. It's a Dijon mustard as well, which I approve of. My favourite kind of mustard. So, yes. <laughs> okay, well, the Colonel Mustard in the library with Dagger. That is where he dies, and that is where this should die. <laughs> it's where my taste buds are dying as I'm well. I'm going to have it? one final sip. No. Oh, God. <laughs> it's when you've left it for a while and you forget how it smells. <laughs> I just want some sausages now. I want some sausage and mash. And The sausage was the best bit about it, so. <laughs> yeah. Pour that over some mash and you have a party. <laughs> okay, well... Um, we have emergency backup drinks. <laughs> it's an experience, people. See if you can be bothered to give it a go. Make that honey mustard syrup because, again, lovely on, on for your condiments and for, for your lovely savoury dishes. And then if you feel so inclined to throw liquor in it, God love you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, with these things just sort of over on a shelf somewhere, we're not going to acknowledge them as we walk down the road. (laughs) Are you ready for a story, Nick? I think it has to be a good one to get over that terrifying thing. Yay! And now a sip of our emergency drinks to get that awful taste out of our mouths. (laughs) Okay, Nick. Well, come with me now. Come with me now to the village of Sea Houses in Northumberland. Who? In 1844. Hmm where for three days now, the people of this coastal village have been gathering in the streets as dusk falls. There's cheering and jeering as three men, each with their faces blackened and wearing women's clothing on top of their own, hold aloft effigies of a man who lives not too far from them. A crowd of 500 people clap and jeer as the effigies are paraded through the village and then marched up to the farmhouse where the man lives, leased by the estate of the Bamborough Castle. As they halt by the farmhouse gate, the men set the effigies ablaze. Oh, that's very dramatic. A bit of a Wicker Man vibe going on there. The crowd hoots in unison. The farmhouse occupant, the subject of the effigies, finally opens his doors and ventures outside, and the crowd reaches a crescendo of jeering and shouting and baying for the man's blood. And as the crowd set light to the farmhouse gate and the fence around it, the man raises a shaky pistol and fires directly at the assembled masses. Uh... Pause for drama. Yes, there was, there was a dramatic pause going on there. Yeah. Now, what on earth could be the reason for such public savagery, Nick? Why would the people of this quaint village be so determined to see one man burn in his own bed? Probably a couple of options. He wasn't a very nice man. Perhaps he set other people on fire. He kept making Colonel Mustard cocktails for people. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps, yes. Perhaps he just made dreadful, dreadful <laughs> drinks. <laughs> we want tequila. We want tequila. <laughs> no, you might think witchcraft. You might think this man had done unspeakably dark 
acts. But according to the law, this man had done absolutely nothing. Okay, but we still burn him alive. This man in question is James Coburn Bellaney, and it is his tale we shall tell today, one that caused scandal through the north of England. So James Bellaney is a proud Northumberland man. Not much is known about his childhood. <laughs> what a surprise. What a surprise. Yeah. Or his early adult life, actually. Yeah. Okay. We meet him around the age of 32. When he's on fire. When he's on fire. No, this is, we're going back. Flashback to the year before. <laughs> James is a well-established surgeon. He is a stout fellow with an intelligent face, i.e. not much of a looker. And he's a lively, talkative chap. But a doctor such as this must be in want of a wife. <laughs> Enter the lovely 19-year-old Rachel Skelly, the Rose of the North, she was called. Her beauty and her sweet demeanour are known and admired the land over, and she is a cherished jewel of her widowed mother. Uh, I do like the surname Skelly. It is a good name. Skelly. She comes from pretty good stock. Her mother owns a copyhold, like a leasehold property, that produces rent, and she also has interests in a lime works and a goalery. And this is a fine match for James Bellaney. And he and Rachel are wed on the 23rd of February, 1843. Oh, how lovely. But no sooner than they are married, the Bellaney decides he's bored of surgery and doctoring. He's going to instead help run the in-law's property portfolio. And it's a good job too. Because a mere five months later, old Mrs. Skelly dies of bilious fever. No, not a bilious fever. Oh, that's the worst kind of fever. Any other type of fever. It is yeah. the worst kind. Mustard cocktail will have done her just the thing. If only she'd had one. If only she'd had one. Luckily, all the property and the income passes over to lovely Rachel. Mother's death is not thought to be suspicious. Bilious fevers no. happen. Happen every day. Absolutely. But now Rachel happily brings her husband in on the copyhold properties deed and they manage the income of the various interests that the family have happily enough. He has the right to, at this time, to control his wife's property. He doesn't have absolute no. autonomy over it, but they shuffle along quite happily. Uh, Bellini is quite pleased with himself. In fact, he's, he's quite happy in his small Northumberland town village, actually. He's come into money. He's got a bit of land. And, and he makes himself quite well known locally. He likes to be a member of the community. Starts building a brand new house for the couple. A clifftop house. Ooh, how dramatic. Yeah, in the nearby village of North Sunderland. So just on the, on the cliffs. So it's a very dramatic scene. But he's building this house and the couple have their whole lives ahead of them. Or do they? <laughs> well, I think perhaps not. <laughs> yes, the nature of this podcast would have given this away. Yes, <laughs> and after that dramatic aside there. Rachel unfortunately suffers a miscarriage in the summer of 1883. But by the next year, it looks like the couples will be blessed by a child. Hooray, hooray. So they plan a trip to London. And when you plan a trip to London, the only sensible thing to do before leaving is to draw up wills for each other. It is a dangerous place. It is a dangerous, that is, that is fair. godless place, that London town. Yeah, very understandable. I do the same. You do. You frequently send me wills and go, here's my will. I'm not in it. Well, I just want you to know that if anything happens yes. to me. <laughs> You're getting none of it. <laughs> the couple arrive in London and they're staying near the home of a friend of theirs. The master mariner captain william clark nice. they arrive in june now their trip to london appears to have been instigated because bellaney is intending to take a little trip around europe he's going to take a tour of the river rhine how very civilized how very dramatic rachel isn't going to go <laughs> i mean because of her condition her condition she's, she's pregnant she has to wait at home for hubby to Quite return right. it looks like that they're going to stay in london she's going to stay in london and she's going to have uh, william clark's 
daughter to be her companion. So they got a little set up in London. Don't know why she wouldn't stay in Northumberland, but go with me. So Bellini makes all the arrangements before his trip. Tickets to the theatre for one of their final nights together, carriages to take them there, a quick trip to the surgeon in Stepney to stock up on his usual indigestion treatment. (laughs) Okay. The morning after their trip to the theatre, this house servants awoken by Rachel crying for a black draft so that would be something like charcoal the sort of thing you would take to purge your system right. rachel is not at all well after her night out she has been vomiting for hours she spends the day vomiting and lying on the sofa intermittently going oh <laughs> i am often like that after too much wine at the theater uh, yeah i mean absolutely yeah this is very similar yeah yeah but she seems to recover the next day it's odd then that one morning Bellaney asks the one of the servants of the house for a jug of hot water, a spoon, and an empty glass. Okay. Hmm. Only odd because it's barely after an hour then receiving these goods into the couple's room that Bellaney starts crying out that his wife is terribly ill. The housekeeper runs into the room and finds Rachel in convulsions in the bed. Death by spoons. Death by spoons. Foaming at the mouth, struggling for breath and intermittently vomiting, seems to be spitting up the remains of some sort of chewed up biscuit. Two glasses sit on the bedside table, one containing what looks like Epsom salts, the other is empty. Now, the housekeeper mm-hmm. insists that a doctor must be called. Belaney says there's no need. He's, he's not very keen on a doctor turning up. His wife has well, he's had... He's a doctor himself, he surely. Is. He's so. a doctor himself. He knows what's best for her. His wife has had fits before. There's no point getting someone else in. The housekeeper says, look, I've seen fits before. My daughter has fits and they ain't nothing like this. So <laughs> Belaney reluctantly sends out another servant for help. While the servant is out, they set work curing her. Bellaney's first act is he rubs his wife's face, feet and hands with warm water. Okay. While the housekeeper douses her head liberally with vinegar. That'll do it. That'll do it. I love these old-timey treatments. <laughs> they, they're confusing washing her with just making a dressing. <laughs> but yes, the, the vinegar on the temples doesn't seem to be doing anything for her. Bellaney is muttering to the servants and to anyone else who's near going, Oh, his mother-in-law, my mother-in-law died from heart disease. Perhaps my wife has the same thing. She's not been well, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> the servant who's run out to get the help of the doctor returns. But not with a doctor, with Captain Clark, his friend, the Master Mariner. Okay. Now, I mean, mariners are notoriously good at curing people. Well, absolutely. And I also thinking, crap servant, do what you're told. <laughs> well, there's every indication that Bellaney maybe pulled her aside and instructed her on where to go. Mm. But Captain Clark is there. He knows just what to do. He is going to rub Rachel's chest with a mustard poultice. <laughs> da, da, da. Now, I've, you've, you've got to ask. Now, I know mustard poultices are an old remedy to help sore throats and chest coughs and things. Mm. But is this the first thing that you would do if someone's convulsing and foaming at the mouth? Yeah. It was he there today going, I can rub a chest with mustard poultice. <laughs> <laughs> it's his particular kink. It's, yes, it's just like likes rubbing people's chest. The first opportunity he has, he gets the condiments out and starts massaging her, going, <laughs> this will work. After 10 minutes, they're going, this is just getting weird now, Captain Clark. <laughs> um, he has other remedies as well. They rub her legs down with towels and a clothes brush. Yep, get the circulation going. Poor Rachel. None of this is working. She has been doused with vinegar, covered in mustard, so very much dressing territory. They're making their halfway to making the bloody Colonel Mustard cocktail. (laughs) 
throwing water over her, warm water, and rubbing her limbs down with brushes. Unsurprisingly, Rachel dies in front of them. But well marinated. <laughs> well marinated. <laughs> Prepared for heaven. Probably just gave up because she was like, I've had enough of this. I don't like any of this. But Rachel, ah, she has died. Mm. Belaney begins to wail and cry. I have failed her. Her death is caused by my neglect. Yes, it is. You're a terrible, terrible person. Interesting, interesting. Um, She'd only taken salts, people say, when she said, well, what did she ingest? What could have caused all of this? Salt, she just had Epsom salts by her bed. What else could be the cause of this horror? Well, it's probably that family heart disease. Bury her. (laughs) Oh, the poor thing. Bury her. Bury her at once. Natural causes, surely. Well, this explanation is not quite enough to close the book on Rachel's untimely death. No, an inquest will be held. And a post-mortem is ordered to be carried out in the lodging house, as you do. Well, indeed, where else do you carry out your your post-mortems? I don't know, somewhere where people don't sleep. (laughs) Well, most of the time they're in a pub or something. (laughs) True, actually, they're in the pub, like, oh, you've got a room at the back, it's fine. You don't want to mix that up with a wedding function or anything. (laughs) Post-mortem is set up. Belaney seems a bit upset by this, but he's like, no, no, it's probably for the best, it's probably for the best. (laughs) Two surgeons carry out the post-mortem examination in the lodging house. Belaney and Captain Clark are present and um, somewhat hover around the surgeon's quite a lot during this looking over their shoulders peering about to the point where the surgeons have to start whispering to each other (laughs) so their theories and their their thoughts are not overheard because you're not supposed to have people standing there going what do you think and as they examine poor rachel's corpse her organs reveal no signs of decay or disease not in the heart not in the lungs not anywhere else but what is strange on opening the stomach is they detect a strong aroma of bitter almonds oh oh Mm. intriguing yes what could that be i wonder too much cake too much too far too much cake perhaps death by disarano that maybe she was just getting shit-faced on it before it was good (laughs) the examination concluded belaney immediately asked what is the verdict what is the verdict what is your finding the surgeon probably just turns around and has him right in his face going (laughs) what did you decide the surgeon says, no, go away. We're not making a conclusion yet. Hmm. Right? Later that night, surgeon's at home. Belaney turns up at his doorstep oh, again, asking for a verdict. <laughs> go away. Go away. So Belaney at this time is accompanied by Captain Clark and he is racked by guilt, seemingly muttering, muttering that his wife has had the wrong medicine. Hmm. And Captain Clark asks him what he had and Belaney turns to him and says, poison. <gasps> <laughs> now that's not a medicine at all. No, it's not a medicine. That's not the wrong medicine. That's that is not medicine. <laughs> That's poison. Um, <laughs> so. mm, mm. Well, he says it's the wrong medicine. When he earlier went to the surgeon to stock up on his indigestion medicine, he was stocking up on Shields prussic acid. Right. Which was a treatment at the time. It was a treatment that you got in a tincture or a vial and you would take it and it would cure indigestion in small doses. Mm. He claims, he claims that he was taking the prussic acid for himself. It was his medicine, his stomach that had all the problems. And Rachel just must have gotten the vials and the mixtures mixed up, mixed up. Yeah. Okay, Clark, Captain Clark says, you might have mentioned this at the start when yes. everyone was asking what was going on. But because he's his good friend, he takes him to a friend. He says, make a statement in front of a witness. We'll get this statement. We'll take it back to the surgeon who performed the post-mortem and there he'll have evidence. So that's exactly what he does. Bellaney splutters that he was afraid of the scandal and the disgrace. That's why he didn't say anything at first. But they make their way with the signed statement back to the surgeon's house 
for the third time that evening and hand it over. The surgeon is probably, it's three in the morning. I wasn't even going to say poison. I wasn't, I was going to blame it on cholera, (laughs) but now you've pissed me off enough. Just leave me alone. Bellaney gives his explanation at the inquest and it's as stupid as you think. So in summary... He used to take the drops of prussic acid for his tummy, but one day the stopper broke off and snapped and he spilt a bit of the prussic acid and then he didn't want to waste it. So he poured it into an empty glass in his wife's bedroom to make absolutely sure it was safe. Then he went to get a cloth to clean it up and he heard his wife scream and she was in convulsion saying she had taken the hot drink that was on the side. Mm. 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 And of course, seeing his wife's state, he immediately threw away the contents of the glass and destroyed the vial of prussic Of course. Acid. I mean, that's the first thing you would do. Of course. <laughs> now, he maintains this defence, saying that he had just broken it and he was in his wife's room and he just needed to save the medicine rather than waste it. And she had somehow come out, seen a, seen a glass of water or something or the, whatever it was on the side and decided to drink it instantly. Right. But then screamed out, I've drunk a hot drink. Mm. She's an idiot. Not entirely convinced by that. You're Pla- not, potentially, you're not. potentially plausible, I suppose. Mm. But mm. Mm, why wouldn't? Well, he says, why wouldn't you say something? But perhaps if you're just scared. Mm. Well, he says he was scared of the scandal. He didn't want to bring disgrace on the family. He didn't want to be in the firing line. He just felt it was a terrible, terrible mistake. And if we're to believe him, that he thought it would just be put down to natural causes because she was apparently unwell and that she'd be buried quickly and that no one would question it. But now they've actually found out that there is a strong, seemingly strong smell of prussic acid in her system. Now he's changing his story. Mm. Bellaney is arrested for murder. And brought to court and brought to testify at the inquest and later at the trial, things start to unravel for him, <laughs> which is our favourite thing that happens. That's always good. It's always good when things unravel. Not sweaters, but, but plots, <laughs> yes. It transpires that his medical licence is false. Oh. Now, he never earned his diploma. Well, he practised as a surgeon. Training, not sure about that. He definitely practised. But he gave, it a, he gave it a go. <laughs> he gave it a go, but he never had a diploma. So he shouldn't have been allowed to treat people. He shouldn't. He didn't have a license professionally. He doesn't have a diploma, so he shouldn't have been doing it. But it's a shameful, shameful secret that he hid from everyone. Mm. No, he wanted to be seen as the well-to-do surgeon about town or the village. Further examinations of Rachel's stomach samples by further medical experts, they confirm the presence of prussic acid and Epsom salts. As he said, she'd taken salts. They can't tell the quantities. They know mm. it's in there. They can't tell how much. But this expert states at the at the inquest that in most cases, unless you took enough prussic acid to kill you instantly, people would recover from ingesting the acid if the right treatments were applied. Uh-huh. So yes, you should give the patient a mixture of ammonia, brandy and water. That's that's quite the cocktail. But I would say we could have had one of those. We've already done brandy though. Ooh. We haven't done ammonia. I've done ammonia. Yes, and I'm thinking, God, that I'm looking at the cocktail now and it's congealed. It's separated. <laughs> It's lovely. It's so tasty. We have to down it by the end of this episode. No, No, we don't. No, we do. But yes, ammonia, brandy and water. We'll try that next. You should also throw cold water on the patient. Cold water, crucial. You're trying to make them vomit. You're trying to give them a start. You should get a stomach pump. All the things that you would expect if someone ingests the wrong thing. Why Mm. on earth did Bellaney, a man who has medical experience, even if he isn't qualified, why did he not try any of these measures? Investigations continue and more inconsistencies show up in his past. His sister-in-law attests that her late mother had never been in poor health. 
She'd never suffered from fits or heart disease, like he said. And yet suddenly she dropped dead. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Even more damning, the police find letters written by Bellany to a contact back up north. Letters that were written before and after Rachel's death, but a few days apart, stating that his wife was gravely ill. She was suffering from premature labour and that a doctor had said she had heart disease. The coroner said these letters seemed to be purposely designed to pave the way for the fatal result. So planned so far in advance. Planned, but this is just the inquest, remember? Mm. It's also said that two women arrived at the inquest to give testimony about Bellany being a bad husband. They had some stories about him mistreating his wife. These women were never permitted to give evidence. Mm, I thought you'd say they were like two other wives. <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't obviously not wives, but there was enough rumour around going who were these women? Were they his lovers? Were they prostitutes he'd visited? You know, that would be enough to say he was a bad husband. Mm. So it raised eyebrows nonetheless about the solidity of their marriage. The case goes to trial at the Old Bailey. The prosecution argue, look, there is no way that his story about a broken bottle of prussic acid and accidental poisoning could be true. Where is the broken glass? Where are the traces of prussic acid? If prussic acid is still detectable by scent in a body mm. a day or two later, you would be able to smell it in the room if he dropped it. True, true, true. No, 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 no. Yes, small Can details, they? but they're important. Yeah. They're important. There was no way as well they said she could have spoken after being poisoned. If it was enough to kill her, she could not have said the words, I drank the hock drink. The expert who had done further examinations on her, Henry Letherby, he attested to all the experiments he had carried out on the low animals with prussic acid. <laughs> He'd done a lot of experiments, but cats and horses, mainly. Mm. But he'd been able to revive them all. Oh. Yay! Cat saviour. He was a cat saviour by the simple application of ammonia and cold water. So he was experimenting on animals, but they all lived. It wasn't a good life, I sense. <laughs> no, wasn't a jolly time for them, but they survived. It was the time of all the low animals being experimented on. It wasn't a good day for them. It seemed that the hangman's noose would await. The defence, all they could say was he was a good husband. She a happy wife, apparently. Yeah, I'm not convinced by that. This had just been a terrible, shameful carelessness, an accident Bellamy had no motive. He was already had access to the land of his wife and money. Why kill her? And why use prussic acid if it's so easy to detect? All good questions. Key thing is that this all hinged, as we've seen in other cases, on circumstance. No one could prove he had given her the poison. Mm. No one could prove a motive. It was either deliberately given to her or left out for her to drink, in which case it would be murder, or it was an accident, an unintentional mistake that resulted in her death. Did the poison come from his hands with the intention to kill? In summary, the judge makes these points. He even says at the end to the jury to make sure that there is no shadow of doubt in, his, in their minds because he says, and I quote, it was better that many guilty men should escape than one innocent man should perish. Oh, it's a very enlightened judge for the time. It is. I, I don't think many guilty men should escape. Oh, yes, there is that. But if there's a choice between those two... The jury returned their verdict. Kill him! Not guilty. Oh. Mm. Not guilty. Oh, well, there we go. Well, no concrete evidence. No, he was acquitted of murder. 
which means he's off scot-free. As you can imagine, there's public outrage. The press had a field day about this story. Everyone felt that justice, they had been robbed of justice, demanding that Rachel's body be dug up for more tests. Some papers even conducted their own experiments about whether the smell of spilled prussic acid could be covered. And if you would detect it in a room, they did all these series of tests and people reporting on it each day, their weird homework. It can't. Yes, it's very mm. obvious when prussic acid has been spilled because it smells of almonds. Lovely smell, but dead Others railed against the judge for his summary, which seemed to persuade the jury to acquit. Too sympathetic, they thought. Mm. Ah, but Bellini was free nonetheless. Mm. But his life would be marked yes. evermore. The day after the trial, he was seen buying a case of champagne. I suppose it would be something to celebrate, wouldn't it? <laughs> Maybe not a case, mate. Maybe not a case when you've just been accused of murdering your wife. And he merrily headed back home to Northumberland. But when he arrived, he was met by boos and spitting of the local people. Mm. People had heard about the case. And if people were passive about it in London, they were not so up north. Copies of the Times report condemning him had been printed and circulated about the area, passed out to everyone, so that Bellaney could not escape the judgment of his neighbours. He couldn't walk around unnoticed and unknown. He'd gone back to his home village, but friends of his were stoned in the street <laughs> for associating with him. He took a cottage in Sea Houses, the village, while he was waiting for his clifftop house, his beautiful house of status, to be finished. But all the while, leaflets about his ill character were handed around the village. Shopkeepers refused to serve him. Everyone was disgusted by this man who had walked so haughtily amongst them and now escaped justice for killing his innocent, beautiful Northumberland wife. You'd think he might want to move. You would think he would yeah. take the hint. And the hatred eventually culminated in the scenes that we started the story with. The villagers parading around effigies of Bellanis. They'd done this for three nights in a row. Eventually brought them to his house to burn. And on that night, as Bellany emerged with the pistol in hand, with the mob baying for blood, he fired at the crowd, but no one was hurt. He fired just for self-defence and then ran away as the villagers ransacked his garden that night. Not my, not, not my flowers. Not my radishes. Not my radishes and my rose bush. The next night, the mob returned to the farmhouse, and he once again, with his brother and guests who he's having dinner with, they had to flee across the cornfields as the rented cottage was burnt to the ground. Mm. At one point, his lawyer was in Doncaster, or Doncaster, depending <laughs> how you want to say it. I said Doncaster. Doncaster. Yeah. Doncaster. He was recognised grabbed by a crowd and ducked in a pond. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Eventually, his empty clifftop house, the place that he had built thinking it would bring him status and refinement, it was ransacked before it was finished. Yeah. The windows smashed, the lead roof ripped apart, he would never live in it. Bellaney would eventually flee to London where it's thought he stayed with his friend Captain Clark. Ultimately, he fled to Europe, never to be seen again. Oh, how dramatic. And he's still there now. Yes. And that is the story of James Coburn Bellaney, the crooked mm. doctor who killed his wife and got away with it. Or did he? You don't know. Well, what do you think? Well, I mean, it's... I'd say it is it is all circumstantial, isn't it? So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not entirely convinced one way or the other, I have to say. Oh, ooh, you're on the fence. You're on the I'm fence. I'm on the fence it. on this one, so it is, it is feasible he didn't. It's feasible that he made a mistake, but his story changed so many times. Yeah, true, true. The yeah. spilling of the prussic acid, destroying the evidence. Maybe he had, and he's probably the sort of nervous, silly person who would just go, oh, I don't want to get blamed for this, so did mm. destroy evidence. But why send all those letters saying his wife's really ill? This is true. Yeah. Uh, 
but he's just really setting it up that his wife's sick and that she's oh she's pregnant and she you know she's not she's not going to be able to travel around maybe he had a fancy woman maybe those women he turned up at court perhaps that was that was his um motive that he wanted to be off and marry someone else and the wife was out the way he would would get all the cash and go and live a new life indeed in his clifftop manner windswept but there's also yeah there's also the other arguments of that if you're a doctor and if you want to kill someone why use one of the most detectable poisons ever but as you said he's he wasn't a doctor there must have been gaps in his knowledge there were reports at the time and it only changed later on where i think it was alfred swain taylor who was writing about it later on that he may have read something that said prussic acid the scent or it's not detectable after a day or so if you ingest it and if the postmortem is carried out immediately they'd be able to detect it but he was mm. probably relying on it being a, a longer space of time yeah. before she was examined it turns out that that's not true it turns out that he probably he may have just misread something and thought yes. he would get away with it as many of our early poisoners did well indeed so yeah i think as and especially at that time when the science was developing so quickly what he discovered the year before was probably completely out of date by the time yeah. It came to it because things, yeah, things, science moves on. It does. But I like the way that the, the villagers just basically treated him as a witch. It is and everyone much, else it is, around him as well. <laughs> anyone who's ever spoken to him before. Stone them! Throw them in the river! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that seems a tad harsh. But I thought it was time to revisit a 19th century poisoner. Very nice. Going going back to the roots. The evil. You're on the fence. I'm, I'm on the fence. More than likely, but... I'm going to go not high on the bastardometer. <laughs> middling, 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 middling to bottom. But there you go. If you are going to prescribe poison as treatment, then people are going <laughs> to die. Yes, then don't. Then just don't. All they needed to do was give her some of the Colonel Mustard cocktails and it would have killed it her would eventually. Have, absolutely, yeah. They would have done her in. So that is that is one occasion where we have not been able to finish that cocktail. I can't. No, I can't. I've, I've had like... Two, three sips of that, I just can't do it. I feel like if we kept drinking it, there would be an upset stomach. I just so hoped that I thought that it might just go, oh, that's amazing. (laughs) That's actually really surprising. No, it's just dreadful. No, it just tastes savoury. It tastes like a savoury snack. You just don't want that in a cocktail form. But prove us wrong, people, if it sounds like your cup of tea. You say that. You like a Bloody Mary and things like that. So, Well, I do like a Bloody Mary, but that's that's just tomato juice. That's natural juice from a fruit. That is it's, a, still a savory, it's still a savoury drink, though, isn't it? It's not it? that savoury. It's a, it's a goddamn fruit. It's a goddamn fruit. It has sugar content. Well, this has sugar content. <laughs> the wrong kind of sugar content. <laughs> Okay, with a Bloody Mary, all you do is pour some tomato juice that has been pressed and add some vodka and some celery salt, maybe. You don't have to stand over a stove and make a jus. Make an infusion of shallots, apparently, to enjoy your beverage. Not comparing the ease of manufacture. I'm saying they're both savoury drinks. No, I d- don't you don't you put bloody marys in this category. You monster. <laughs> I think they're equally horrid. I love a bloody mary. I don't think that's fair. You can't put that in a bloody mary category. People don't listen to him. <laughs> don't listen to him. You enjoy your bloody marys. Can you imagine having to drink that on a hangover? You made you made me try a bullshot and all that and another another savory drink. Bullshot or the curly mustardiness. This one. Really? Rather than the bullshot. Yep, that bullshot was vile. <laughs> it was a good day. <laughs> Well, there's only one thing for it, people. Try it if you dare. <laughs> do we recommend you do it? You know what? Very much at your own risk, because this is work. Yeah. But you will have a nice sauce at the end of it. <laughs> you won't. 
No, you can just spoon that over some cheese and you no, just turn it into you a fondue. Really can't. Okay, well, I've got about half a bottle left. You're having it then. Little sauce uh, on the side. It's all yours. <laughs> I would not use it as a little sauce at all. But a you're welcome to dressing. Uh, you lack you imagination, Nick. <laughs> I will. I will happily have that. I won't put any booze in it though. I'll just have a vodka on the side. It'll be lovely. But yes, give it a go, people, if you dare. The recipe will be up on Friday. So yeah, and you can also come and join us on Patreon. Uh, Sinead mentioned earlier, we have. So many more episodes going on there. Lots of exciting things. So for such a reasonable amount a month, come and join us there for much more merriment. Indeed. And also comment on the social media posts. Leave us comments. Have a chat with us. We'd love to see your ideas and your thoughts and your feelings about things. Tell us where you listen to your episodes. Tell us how you listen to your episodes. On the phone, on telepathically, I don't know. Remember to tell your friends about The Poisonous Cabinet and leave us a review on Apple to iTunes if you haven't already or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside The Poisonous Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.